1: as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started.
0: So, My name is Dale Dupree. Uh, I'm the leader of the Sales Rebellion. I'm from Orlando, Florida. Uh, I'm an ex-sports fanatic turned nerd about sales. Uh, was once a rock star that toured the United States in a heavy metal band on a major record label. Uh, and I believe in Radical authenticity. I believe that every single human being has a calling on this earth, whether it be big or small, that no matter how we perceive it, that it will be impactful for others. And for, and again, like even if it's just in one instance that it could change lives, that it could cause people to turn their, from their ways of not being able to tap into what it is that they've been truly called to do and feel inspired. So the sales Mm -hmm. rebellion exists. To tear down castles, the castles of the old guard specifically, and to build a kingdom. So we're out here with them, you know, pushing a movement, trying to make sales great again um, without the politics.
1: <laughs> I love that,
0: it. Yeah, that's
1: Oh, man, there's so many things that we're going to touch on in this 30 minute time span.
0: I, I'm not sorry for being a rebel at all. Uh, it, <laughs> It's what has defined my walk, it's what has created my success, it's what is helped my relationships to flourish and grow. It's what's helped my spiritual walk. It's what ha- has literally defined the legacy that I'm living out, uh, which is a, a a tree branch of my father's. Um, anybody that knows me knows that my dad is, it was my best friend and will always be my hero. And, and that his time on this earth was, you know, what defined a lot of my success in, in regards to my outcomes, my choices. Um, and so I, I, I'm a rebel through and through. I was even a rebel, like you know, when my dad would would tell me, "Hey, do this." You know, I didn't always say, "Yes, sir." Um, and I, I believe that those are the types of things, though, that that my father is a, as a man of action more than anything, um, and and a man that was able to be able to sit back and help me to define my walk by letting me make my own choices. That instead of being, you know, upset with me or ticked off that I was doing something. He didn't ask me to do. He allowed me to rebel and to figure out, you know, the answer to the question on my own, to risk, to fail. And and that's what really enabled me to become who I am today.
1: To be a rebel, how important is it to go from allowing people to call you out, but also stepping away from that coddled relationship that sometimes can happen?
0: Yeah. So, I, I never really had a problem with people like speaking their truth to me, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that I actually held to my rebellion was that if somebody were to kind of walk up and say, Hey, I don't like what you're doing, that I would usually meet that with, tell me more, but tell me mm-hmm. all about that. Tell me what you don't like. And, you know, cause I think like inside of defining what it is that that we stand for is the sales rebellion of who Dale Dupree is from an authentic and altruistic standpoint is that I am, I am. One hundred percent through and through a lover, and, and I believe that that people specifically, again, like I said, have a purpose. And so when it's up or someone comes at me, you know, passive aggressively, or someone says something about me on the internet sneakily, <laughs> you know, like I like it all. Um, not to say that I thrive on negativity and mm-hmm. you know crap talking behind my back, right? But I I do thrive on the idea of that people. And their opinions are what will make up my reputation and and mm-hmm. so i like to hear what people are saying because i like to sit back and then evaluate for myself hey should i change that am i being too aggressive here am i is this a bad vision you know that i that i'm living forward and on these particular subjects and, and I'll, but i'll tell you though is that i think this goes for most people though emily is that the conclusion you come to is that is is one that you define yourself. There might be a little bit of influence, you know, from it and and you know, this whole notion of failure and what it is is really just learning for the most part. And mm-hmm. I, I mean it's a tired way to say it these days too, you know, like everybody everybody and their mom calls failure learning these nowadays, but I call it accountability, right? Mm-hmm. I think that failure is really just an accountability partner for us to so sit back and say, Hey, maybe, maybe you should look at these things or maybe you, you should change the way that you're pursuing X, Y, and Z. Right. There's, I, I believe that there's just a little bit more to it that we're not allowing um, into our lives. Right. And and so some people are just not tapping fully into this notion of what failure truly is. Um, and and others are like taking it way too serious. like, oh, I. I will say this, and and maybe we, I spark a little debate here between the two of us. Maybe you disagree with me, but when people say things like "I try to fail," you know, I, I kind of listen to that sometimes, and I go, "Uh, I don't know about that." You know, like I don't know that I sit around and go, "Let's screw this up and make everything <laughs> suck," right? Like I, I just don't think that that's a really, it, it's a really healthy thing to think or say. To believe for yourself. And, and so, for me personally, like I'm not trying to avoid failure, but I'm just allowing, you know, the things that happen in my life to naturally be just that, what happens in my life.
1: And I think that's important for us. We say fail often, fail safe, but fail quickly. You know, in the aspect of that is to. Are you allowing variability? Are you allowing something to knock you off course and you taking interpretation from other people? For me, it I think I would count it back to accountability. And this is what I ask my people all the time is, am I allowing grace for you? Am I allowing the thing that, hey, I'm a human, I'm going to screw up. And I just want to make sure that I don't put this pressure of perfection on you because we can never reach it. What, what is like whenever you're like, Hey, I need to be a rebel. Like when was it the first moment and you're like, yes, this is it.
0: Yeah. So let me define what a rebel is to me before we jump into this, which is a rebel to me is, and let's just say this, what is our rebellion? That's a better way to kind of mm-hmm. look at it. Our rebellion is built on hope. It puts people before products, community mm-hmm. before commission checks. Experiences over performing pitches and fellowship over negotiations. So, for us, like our rebellion is against this idea of mediocrity. It's against this idea of that somehow, if you read this book and take this course that has 10,000 videos <coughs> on it for $9.99 a month for the next two years, that you'll be the best seller ever, right? What we believe is in this very authentic look at what sales truly is from its basics, the core mm-hmm. values of people, the principles and ethics of people. And and this is like this doesn't just I'm not just saying like my core values and my principles and ethics. I'm talking about cultural diversity as well included in this that some people speak differently to each other <laughs> and being, you know, very appropriate with with that kind of audience and also accommodating mm-hmm. to it is a way that, you know, you as a salesperson can tap into a psychological theory that then gets people listening to you differently, right? It's like this idea of like a Democrat trying to convince a Republican to to vote for their party. You know, like it just doesn't happen that easily. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, most of the stuff that everybody watching right now sees on Facebook, it's their plants. You know, when they're like, "Oh, you changed my mind." Yeah, that's not real. <laughs> Go to Thanksgiving dinner, and you'll have the real conversation around those kinds of things, right? But. So this idea, again, is is based around accommodation theory inside of psychology, mm-hmm. and that's what the rebellion stands for. And that's what I rebel against, is I, I rebel against this notion that we don't need those things, that we mm-hmm. should just rush to the finish line, that we should force people down a funnel, that we should get people to sign deals because they're stupid and they don't know any better and they need us. right? I rebel against those things. And so... For me it was pretty quick. You know, it started in the music industry when I first recognized and realized why I was a rebel and why it was important to be a rebel. You know, because there was there was a lot of temptation on the road. There's the ability to be able you know, to be able extremely promiscuous, right? To be to become an alcoholic, to be to try every drug you've ever imagined. And and I was in a Christian band, right? So, you know, there, <laughs> The way that that I started, you know, from a cultural perspective, was in an industry where these types of things were just normal, and it was mm-hmm. okay. It was like that: what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, thing, right? Like every yeah. night of your life, any any city. in, you you'd be in Tucson, Arizona, and that rule still applies, right? So that's really where the the origins came from, and then being around my father and recognizing, you know, that that the salespeople that I knew and the sales organizations that I was up against and the way that people were kind of being shisty inside of you know a negotiation or a competitive bid that it wasn't for me at all. And and my dad was a great example of the opposite of those things. Yeah. You know, so I had a I had a leader that was culturing me to that point, you know, throughout my early existence, but also as an adult when I first started into the biz. So my rebellion really started in 1984, if you really want to know, which is when my father founded his copier firm. That was the day that he decided to step out of the big box store and say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to treat people differently. I was born a year later with toner running through my veins and that rebelliousness. So
1: I love that. And I love the story in the passion. And I, my father was an inventor and I followed a lot in his footsteps. There's some of the greatness that he Built into me and that confidence. But two, it also takes a rebel to also step out from underneath your father's shadow. So I would, I want to talk about that for a minute.
0: That was tough because I struggle with depression and Mm -hmm. for me, it was like my, who I was or who I perceived myself as at least was like somebody that couldn't handle, you know, stepping outside of anybody's shadow or being my own leader at that right so it was it was a it was tough you know to say the least it was tough for me but I was a creative and I always have been and so as a kid you know I you know my mom would would tell the best stories of me you know just getting like a couple of popsicle sticks and some tape and crayons and making you know this elaborate story out of this thing I was building and what it was going to be used for and so there was there was just something in me in particular, in my very being and at my very core that was very unique, very creative. And it was influencing me. But there was this struggle that I had with this idea of who I was from the sadness perspective and, and my depression. And I attempted suicide at a very young age. Um, I was a teen um, and it was it was one of the worst days of my life without a doubt and i was saved by my mother basically coming home and interrupting the progress and the the things i put her through in those moments the things my dad went through you know for the next several months with her as well the things i went through um i was i started to doubt myself a lot at that point in my life and you know for me it was what really healed those things was community and like surrounding myself with people and being held accountable. I'd say probably around the time that I was like 22, 23 years old, I had a prophetic word from somebody actually. And then I was sitting with one of my mentors and I was talking to him about the prophetic word. And, and my mentor at the time, he was 46. God, he's old now, (laughs) but, but it was 46 at the time. and, And he said, he said, bro, I've, I have lived life, you know, I've made tons of money, had tons of success, and I'm sitting here before you, this little old kid in copier sales, just getting into the copier sales in the middle of Titusville, Florida. If you wanna look that up, feel free and try not to be depressed yourself, right? And he said, if you can teach me the things that you have after all the life that I've lived, there are big things on the horizon for you. And I remember kind of feeling awkward about that. Like, what are mm. you talking about? <laughs> but also feeling empowered and enabled. So I think that for all of us, it doesn't technically come from ourselves and us just waking up one day and saying, I'm going to be this thing, you know, that it, it's influenced into us. And it, it doesn't mean that it wasn't always there, but in mm-hmm. most cases, it's usually somebody else that helps us to see exactly what we're worth.
1: For you, how has the people that you have been around your severe influence allowed for this rebellion to actually come to life?
0: I'd say that it's it's kind of it's two different ways, I would say there's kind of two different directions even. that one that one group of people that were influencing my life that and it was a large group and most of them aren't in my life anymore um, were helping me to understand like what I didn't want (laughs) and, and what I desired actually not to be a part of, but, you know, because of circumstances or who I chose to be at that point in time, which was not myself. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, with these folks and, and, and again, it's not, it's not a specific group it's you know kind of just like a myriad of friends that i had and influencers that were in my life at a certain point in time but i broke away from them you know because of their influence and in the mm-hmm. process of that i found the people i sought out and found the people that surround me now and and so and what i'll tell you is this is that some of them you know whether they're mentors or they're just buddies or whatever the case may be some of them are people that you wouldn't expect me to hang out with, quite frankly. Um, and, Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that they're doing like terrible things, right? But that they're very opposite of the culture around what I'm raised in, you know, what I, what you would stereotype me to be a part of even. And I find that to be an extremely important part of my walk though, too, because culturing yourself is this idea of awareness, Right, mm-hmm. Because you can be aware of, once you figure out the awareness around you, which is extremely <laughs> important, you can then take that same principle of awareness and you can start to become aware of others, and which is extremely powerful. And so that awareness of others is a massive unlock for, for anybody, but specifically for me and, and my success. And I would say that, you know, putting people in my life and in my sphere that either, through happenstance, um, which I call divinity, because I don't believe mm-hmm. in luck, um, you know, have come into my life, or through, you know, me going out and actually trying to find them, you know, like saying, I want to find somebody like in this industry that acts like this or does this or you know whatever the case might be, right? So, so uh, I would say that in both instances, though the the influence the sphere of influence has been extremely important whether it was negative or whether it was positive and and the most important would be like to create a sphere of influence that has a very inclusive approach that that Mm -hmm. other people could even look at and might say like i would never expect you to hang out with these groups or be on these types of boards you know or you know whatever the case may be
1: i love that and the part that makes me think is i tell I, I tell people all the time, you do not want like-minded people always around you. You want like-hearted, because if you really want to grow and get to the next level, you need them to tell you you're wrong and you're dumb. And whenever you do something like stuff, you know, instead of be like, "Oh, that's such a great idea," I worship the right. land that you walk on. <laughs> yeah, but so, how like- many people have you probably encountered that do that? And like for me, that's a turnoff. It's like, oh, love you. But at a distance.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've I, I've encountered my fair share. I think the thing is, though, is that I just was raised so much differently that I I have so much love in my heart for people in general that I I can't I have no ill will toward anybody. I I even the people that and listen, I've been targeted like hard over the last couple of years of posting content on LinkedIn and trying to create this company and this movement. I've had people sign me up for gay dating websites and like spend four to six hours conversing with people on them just to get them to call me, right? And and that's when I used to put my cell phone out there a lot more frequently. Now it's a little bit harder to find, but, Um, you know, and like, furthermore, like imagine how that affects your marriage, right? When you're sitting on the couch with your wife and you're getting texts from some guy that's like, Hey, when are we hooking up? And, and furthermore, like I've been, I've been, it's been intense. I've been called at like two in the morning, like 90 times, um, you know, to the point where my phone's finally like something's wrong and like comes off of silent mode. And, and it's just some guy drunk in some country or state somewhere else, like making fun of me right calling me the copy suckier you know and like mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy stuff like and i've and i've i've taken the brunt of a lot of these things and and it gets darker than that too i'm giving you the pg versions to be quite honest with you but those people influence me too and and i would say that you know like i welcome that negativity because it helps me to to keep I had on my shoulders around the idea of what like exists outside of my little bubble, and that there are people that truly need this influence, and they and they don't like it, they don't want it, and and that is because they're comfortable in their little status quo bubble. They're comfortable with the things that they've built that they can control, and I'm not something that they can control, and because of that, I'm here. To, I'm I'm here to wreck their party, fully wreck their party. So.
1: That's so true. And it's cognitive entrenchment is what we call it in the psychology aspect of it. And it is basically yeah. in trenching your thoughts to see that you may can see it differently. But it's from for me, all of our stuff is based on love and that it is a biblical principle it is um, to be patient, kind, honest, understanding and not busting ill will. And so in that you have to be honest with people. And that's one thing I do I, I want to get on in a minute, because you are honest. You're from the content that I see and from the people you're probably you're very honest with your people, but you do it from a love lens for you. How how are you a rebel in the sales world?
0: Yeah, like where we where we start is like, I'll just give you. Couple quick bullet points where we start is like prospecting. We don't believe in 150 dials a day, and that somehow that like keeps the doctor away or the sales manager away. At that, you know, because if there are no results, then you will be fired, and you will not have the success that you that you desire and that you're working toward in the first place. That people are so wrapped up in this idea of the KPI or the metric that they they continually dig a hole of deceit for themselves that they lie in, and that they you know eventually will die in and. So for us, it's this idea of radical education. Like we believe in radically educating prospects. We believe in getting attention, you know, because time is the is the actual currency of sales Mm -hmm. inside of the sales rebellion. And we believe that attention is the exchange. And then storytelling, you know, putting storytelling back into the mix so that we can highlight, you know, who it is that we are, what it is that we want to accomplish with the person that we're speaking with, and allow them to also relate into the story easier. Find familiarity and, and to be the hero of said story as well. Too. These are the types of things that are just very simple that we make mindset shifts, mindset shifts around. And then we've created actual courses and, and literal talk mm-hmm. tracks, if you will, you know, based on these concepts and also outreach methods themselves, you know, such as sending out things like the crumpled letter that people can download for free at crumpledletter.com and try themselves. Yeah, that again that that cause a stir and, and an awakening inside of your prospect that causes a, a sense of wonder as to what it is that they could do differently with you. You know, another example I'll give you is that we believe that pipelines are rusted, broken, and leaky and they're they're old and you know they're old news. We believe in a living pipeline. We believe in this idea of giving experiences to your prospects, mm-hmm. especially after they tell you no, not interested. And, and being something again, that like comes back, shows up and not just because it wants the sale, but because it believes he or she has a purpose, you know, and that they are in those moments and in those instances in particular for a reason. So, Mm -hmm. you know, really like a lot of our terminology even is based around affirmation concepts. So like the, the, the outreach theory, we call it reason which is, you know, again, like this idea of that every day, if you believe that your outreach is to give people a reason and to speak your reason that you're taking a hard stance against the negativity that might be infesting or the self doubt that might be, you know, hurting your outcomes in the first place. So that's just a little overview of some of the things we rebel against.
1: Oof, that's good because for us it's accountability, but it's connections ours. But it's oxytocin releases. So for anybody else, like oxytocin is what bonds people. And what the psychology that is coming in is that in essence, you're creating connection and bonding. And it does not happen in a day. It does not usually happen in one call. That's cool that you're, would you say that you're doing a long-term game more than a, maybe short-term as well, but adding awareness with care and love?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like our our game is long term, because we believe that when you're playing the long game that you will get short term rewards inside of said long game. That's what people miss. They think, oh, if I play, I don't have time to play the long game. Listen, if you start playing the long game today, I guarantee you within two to three weeks, you will start to see results in the way that your outcomes are, are coming to fruition. And they're not all going to happen that way, and but you know, again, the idea is is that I spent seven, eight years at one organization in particular, just like literally changing the entire landscape of their success. Mm-hmm. And I was the number one rep year in, year out, never dropped that mantle. You know, company went from eight, nine million dollars a year to twenty five, twenty six million dollars a year. And, and we didn't do that because, you know, we were growing the sales department. We did that because the sales department was growing itself, right? Like the people, and it was me, you know, more than it, it. it was me going out and bringing in massive amounts of net new business and playing this long game. Because, you know, imagine spending one year of your existence in sales doing zero prospecting and writing two plus million dollars in revenue between you and your team. And, and by team, I mean, the people you're in charge of, I was a selling sand sales manager at this point and it all be net new business. (laughs) You know, like those are the types of things that are just kind of unheard of in general, but I live them out and I, and I encourage and help other people to live them out as well.
1: Two part final question. First question. People are apologizing for being a rebellious person. They're being, they're, they're rebelling against society norms or rebelling against like, what their culture is saying in work, or it could be life, like they're rebelling against things, but they know that it's like, it's right. It's the right thing to do. What would you tell them?
0: Just trust your gut, trust what it is that, you know, yourself is telling you and make sure that you're also questioning it though. And, and asking, is this an altruistic approach? Is this inclusive? Am I just trying to make money? Am I just trying to gain fame? Am I just trying to get attention Or am I truly trying to serve the community in which I breathe, you know, eat, sleep, and and live my life?
1: Amen. And then finally, if people want to reach out and get connected with you, how can they find you?
0: Yeah, you can find me right here on LinkedIn, LinkedIn.com backslash IN backslash copier warrior. You can head over to salesrebellion.com. But if you got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, at SalesRebellion, or just the URL and then backslash SalesRebellion on any of those platforms, come find me.
1: So you can find him anywhere. And I am so blessed that I found you here today on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. You are such an amazing person and people really get connected with him. And I hope everybody has an amazing and blessed day.